just to live. Good morning, church. Father, we just thank you for your word. Father, I ask that uh, anything I say that's not appropriate, Lord, you would uh, just remove that. For the whole purpose of this sharing today is to bring glory and honor and praise to you, Lord. Father, we want to be servants that you will be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, I pray that for each person here that there will come a time when we will stand before you and we will give an account of what we've done. Lord, we desire to hear from your lips, well done, good and faithful servant. Well, this morning I want to share a little personal stuff here, but uh, I really feel it's important that we have in mind we want to do the right thing. And that's going to be the title of this message. It was the first Friday in May that three men came to my office to let me know that they were going to close down the adult education program. I was stunned at the news, but this one thought came to my mind. I want to do the right thing. That just kind of lingered on my mind over and over. I want to do the right thing. Well, when they said, uh, okay, you're not going to have a job after the 30th of June, and hey, don't bother to appeal because you have no due process under the state law of Oklahoma. Well, when he said that, I got ticked. I started mm, fuming about it. Well, I guess that's just the norm for a lot of people, but... Then that same little thought came to my mind. I want to do the right thing. I found myself saying, Lord, help me. I don't want to go ballistic and blurt out something really stupid. And then that passage came to my mind. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. And if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. From Romans 12:17 through 21. By reviewing these scriptures of overcoming evil with good, it helped me. God's grace, his forgiveness, and the prayers of many of you. I sure appreciate it because um, the last uh, 
the last two months from that uh, incident, just going to work, I'm just going, Lord, I want to have a right attitude. I don't want to curse. I want to bless. Because your word says we're to bless those who despitefully use and curse not. So God was faithful. He was very faithful. In James 4.17, it says that anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Well, church, we have a responsibility to do the right thing. We are to bless and not curse those who despitefully use you. And we are to be kind and not growl at them. We don't need to do that. You may ask, why doing the right thing is so important? In Matthew 7.21, tells us Jesus is more concerned with our walk than our talk. He wants us to do right, not just to say the right words. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. I want to do his will. What about you? What you do cannot be separated from what you believe. You believe in your heart, Jesus is Lord. You want to follow Christ. Your actions are going to follow it. Think about it. What you do cannot be separated from what you believe. Doing the right thing involves us to make choices. And it means that You'll have to come to terms with who do you think is in control. Well, this morning I want to talk about doing the right thing, and I want to share with you five points about doing the right thing. The first is you should ask yourself, who is your real master? Are you the one in control, or is it the Lord? Do you have a personal relationship with God, the Father, and have you asked Jesus Christ to be Lord and Master of your life? If not, that's the first thing you need to address when you're wanting to do the right thing. Some people believe that good morals and good upbringing will enable you to do the right thing when the heat comes on. Well, it helps, but in order to do the right thing, it boils down to the heart issue. Who is in charge? To live for Christ means to die to your selfish lifestyle and to humble yourself to his commands in order to genuinely do the right thing. In this life, we'll have trouble We were at times hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. The Apostle Paul said this, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. So then, death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. So if Christ is Lord of your life, he will transform you in your lifetime to do the right thing. 
You know, when we talk about losing a job or losing a spouse or losing something that we've held on for many years, rejection is such a strong force. And we face it in this life. And I want to encourage you from a recent quiet time where I wrote this down. Set not your heart on the rejection of men. Look to me, for I am your strong tower to run into. Have I not called you to be strong and courageous? Be not discouraged of what your eyes see. Remember that I have called you and you are mine, and I will lead you. Trust in my word because I am your salvation and not mere men. Which leads to my second point here of doing the right thing is to search the scripture. You know, on this pulpit, we've said it a lot of times, and I don't want to sound like an old broken down record player, but it's true. We need to be diligent in reading the Bible daily and to take some time to write it down. Get a small notebook. Yeah, some people say, ah, oh, I'm not getting any commission on these folks, but it's really good to have a good notebook. When I first started doing this in 1974 in Mexico, I had just a regular spiral notebook. You can do that, but if you want to have something that's going to hang around a little bit, get you a nice little hardcover notebook and write these things down. And you think, well, why do I need to write it down? Well. I don't know about you, I forget things. And as you get older, it's good to have a little reminder. You know, it's like, uh, uh, I'm not advocating that you be the toad and the frog, you know, where toad wrote, writes down a little note to himself to remember what I'm going to do the next day. Well, I'm not there yet, but uh, it's good to write down what is it God has said to you. Because... All of us in this life are going to have some dry times. You know, we're not always basking in the sun. We're, we're going to go through some times that will be kind of dark and grim. And that's where, when you can read the passages of Scripture that God's put in your heart, it's just like, kind of recharges you. I know it does for me. But anyhow, I want to say this, that uh, doing that is very important. Be real by being honest with God. Ask Him to reveal Himself to you. He will speak to you where you need to change. Whether it's your perspective, your outlook on life, your attitude, He'll talk to you about it. And He also may say, it's time to let go. And that's a hard thing. You know, when you're used to doing things, you've had great success, man, it's just wonderful. And then when the time comes, it's gone, it's over, it's time to let go. And God will give you the grace, as painful as it may be, to let it go. You know, sometimes 
I struggle with anger. Some people say, oh, Dave, you're such a nice guy. No, I, I have trouble with anger. And God is able to uh, so patiently remind me that the wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. And that, uh, that's from James 1.20. For those of you who have trouble with your anger issue, look at James 1.20. Not only do we need to read the Scriptures, but like as Bill Sullivan last week shared about Scripture memory and what Jody uh, also shared, it's important for us to encourage people to hide God's Word in our heart. As we memorize Scripture and as you reflect on it, not just regurgitate the verse, you know, verbatim, but that you think about it. What is this verse saying to me personally? That's something you can write down because sometimes you forget about those things. So that's why it's important to write down. And uh, you know, as I shared that little um, quiet time that I had, it's basically come from scriptures. God's been birthing that in my heart. Psalms 84.5 says, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose heart are set on pilgrimage. As you read on in Psalms 84, it speaks about as we pass through the Valley of Baca. The Valley of Baca is a place of weeping, or some would say it's a symbolic time of struggles and tears through which God's people pass on their way to God. But here's the thing about it. As you're making this pilgrimage, and by the way, when I think of pilgrim, I think of John Wayne saying, pilgrim, pilgrim, wanderer, traveler, looking for that promised place. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. We need to not let any bitterness get in our hearts. Because, you know, I, I, I'm beginning to appreciate the fact that as you get older, you get wrinkles. And I, I'm praying that my wrinkles will be more of a smile instead of a growl. Oh, well, maybe it's because when my face starts to sink a little, I don't know. But I, I want to be known as a happy person instead of one who's bitter and uh, looking at life as, oh, they did this terrible thing to me. I'm reminded in Proverbs where it says, we need to guard our hearts for out of it comes the issues of life. You know, it's easy to uh, become bitter. And, and uh, I like the cartoon years ago about nursing a wound, you know, that uh, you, can, uh, uh, you can just be bitter all your life. And I don't want to be there. I've seen too many people. And in fact, when I uh, draw portraits, I always am fascinated with, First, the eyes, and then secondly, the expressions on their face. I look at, well, where is that wrinkle? Where is that indentation? It's kind of a, uh, a way of seeing people in a different light. Well, when I reflect on scriptures, I also find myself reflecting on how God has blessed me, how he has really uh, given me 
uh, favor. And uh, when I was preparing this sermon, I was thinking about something I hadn't thought about in years, how God changed my orders from a decommissioning ship there in San Diego onto a brand new LSD, not drifting, but it's landing ship dock. That's the term the Navy used. Anyhow, it was birthed just a couple of births away, and, and uh, one morning uh, we had the announcement that there was a ship that was going to be making a cruise, a two-month cruise, with 300 midshipmen from Annapolis, and they needed a cook. And I thought, oh, wow, I'd love to go back overseas one more time because uh, my time uh, with the Navy was uh, drawing to an end. So I went over, talked to the people, and they said, yeah, yeah, do this, do this. Well, the person on my ship, he didn't want to mess with it. And the, the uh, officer on the other ship just said, well, here's the number, call this number. And I did that and didn't get anywhere. Well, for two days, it was just kind of frustrating. And then um, the night before that ship was going to leave, I got together with some brothers uh, at the base chapel, and we prayed. And afterwards, you know, they, they felt really strong to say, hey, Dave, go to the officer in charge tomorrow. You're going to be on there. And I thought, yeah, you got more faith than I do. Okay, I'll do that. I mean, I've tried all these things. So, sure enough, I went to the ship the next morning, went to the officer in charge. He picks up the phone, calls the Pentagon, boom. Gets all the information, writes it down, calls my ship, gets it all done. By the time I get to my ship, the personnel officer who didn't want to help me, was suddenly, he was infuriated with me. What did you do? Why did you do this? You know, I just said, look. I asked to be transferred, you know, because the ship that I was on, it was, we were literally tearing it apart. Parts of it were going to go to Spain and parts of it were going to be for razors uh, later on. So uh, there wasn't any future at this ship. So anyhow, uh, later that afternoon, I get my papers, I get my duffel bag, and I report to the new ship. And the next morning, we're on our way to Hawaii. And it was a great trip. Went to Hawaii, went to Japan, went to Hong Kong. And uh, I got to have opportunity to spend some time with uh, some of the midshipmen and uh, share the Lord with them. And it was really a blessed time. But having said all that, I want to come to the third point here, and that is um, be accountable first to the Lord and His church. In Acts 2, I'm sorry, not Acts 2, in 2 Corinthians 8, 5, and they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. As I went to those brothers there on the naval base to encourage me to do the right thing, I've looked back over the years on how being accountable is important. Being accountable, number one, to the Lord Jesus Christ. And number two, being accountable to mature brothers and sisters that he has uh, surrounded me with. That's a good thing. That's a safe thing. 
In Proverbs it says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You know, it's one thing when you have a quiet time and you write down some things and you think, wow, this is going to happen. Check it out. Have someone else kind of look at it. It's just like uh, when uh, you write uh, a paper, you know, you think it's really good and then you have your spouse or a good friend look at it and says, wow, man, what are you saying here? It doesn't make sense. It's the same thing, being accountable to other brothers and sisters in Christ is a healthy thing for you to remember in doing the right thing. I've been blessed with mature brothers and sisters all over the world, not just here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, but in China, in Ukraine, um, in Frankfurt, I mean, I could just name off places where God was faithful to bring God-fearing people to encourage me in doing the right thing. Brothers and sisters, each one of us one day will stand before our Lord and give an account of the choices we made in this life. And every time, for me personally, when I go to that communion table, it's a reality check for me. And I need to examine my heart. I don't want to just glibly, lightly uh, drink uh, those, uh, the grape juice and take that wafer. There is something more that meets the eye there. And again, that's being accountable to God. My actions, my thoughts, my words. It says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10 and 11, or we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade men. What we are is plain to God, and I hope also plain to your conscience. Having the, reality, re, having the reality check for being responsible is something that we need to uh, keep in mind, which leads us to the fourth point of doing the right thing. Remember, there will be testing in doing the right thing. Just like school, you're going to be tested on what you learn, not just to painfully give you a grade, but it's a good thing to reinforce what it is you need to learn. I remember years ago when uh, former TU football coach Dave Rader said, if you had a good practice before the game, you'll do well on the field. So it's good to be reminded of the scriptures. It's good to be reminded of the things of uh, what others have uh, had input in your life because our feelings, our emotions, and our fears can distract us from the very promises of God. That's why we need to do this review before we go on the field. A common temptation we all face in conflict is to go where it's easy. I don't know about you, I think if you're really honest with yourself, why go up there and hit yourself in a brick wall? You want to go around. You want to make it easy. Well, sometimes we do hit brick walls. 
And the other thing is, it's an old term from the 70s, but I thought it still applies today. If it feels good, do it. And hey, don't worry about getting caught. They won't do anything to you because nobody cares. Have you ever been in a situation like that? I'm sure you have. Whenever you're dealing with people of the world, that is their mindset. No one cares. Well, the Bible tells us that there is a way that seems good, and it is the way to death. The path to hell is paved with many good intentions from good people. And if you think willpower and positive thinking will empower you to do the right thing, hmm, you're mistaken. We can only overcome evil through the power of the Holy Spirit. It is through God's Spirit that gives us the ability to live godly and to do the right thing. In 2 Corinthians 3.5 it says that, uh, say not that we are confident in ourselves, but our confidence comes from God. And in 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, of power, and of love, and a sound mind. Isn't it good to know God gives us a sound mind? Because I think there's times when you may think you are going nuts. And cling to the promises of God. He's not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us something we can't handle. We may think that, but um, God's word is true. Now to my last point. To do the right thing, it takes perseverance. In Galatians 6.9, it says this, Let us not grow weary in well-doing. For in due season, we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Let's face it, all of us grow weary, and that's why we need the body of Christ. That's why we need other believers to cheer us on, encourage us. And that's what you guys have done for me. You've encouraged me to hang in there and we're going to do this. Some things can change quickly, but for the most part, they don't. And the outcome of our decision to do the right thing looks far away. However, we are to prepare our minds for action. In other words, for the long haul. You know, in doing the right thing, means there's going to be some conflict. There's going to be some disappointment. You're going to probably be out in the street flapping in the wind for a little bit. But we're to cling to the promises of God despite all those things. You know, like uh, when I first started writing things down, um, I learned that when I was in Mexico in orphanage for three months, I was the only gringo there. There was no English speakers. And I thought, what in the world am I here for? And uh, I learned a lot of things there at the orphanage. I cooked the meals. I cleaned cuts and bruises. I had to clean outhouses. I've done a lot of that stuff which was later on I found real appropriate when I went to China. And all those things come back to me. And I thought, whoa, good preparation. Whatever, I came back to the fact that 
for me, it's good to write things down because we forget. And when you're doing the right thing, you need to persevere. In 1 Peter 1.13, it says, we are reminded to prepare our minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. The results of doing the right thing are eternal. And our perseverance affects not just ourselves, but those around us, many others. For example, years ago there was a good friend of mine who was in business with another Christian brother, and the other Christian brother ditched him, burned him financially. And the thing I remember about this brother was he genuinely forgave that guy. Uh, wow. If he can do it, I can do it. Well, I had the opportunity. Uh, it happened to me that um, um, we sold our first house that we lived in before we went to China. And the family that the house was sold to filed bankruptcy, but they forgot one little thing. They didn't put the house on there. And so the loan came back and foreclosed about like a month before uh, we came back to the States. So we had some financial uh, debt from that. But you know, the thing that reminded me of that brother was he cried out to God and asked, Lord, I want to be able to forgive that person. And I thought to myself, If he can do it, I can do it too. And though I did that, it took time. And now, the Lord's blessed us with a beautiful home. And and the whole reason why I shared that with you is God can use each and every one of us to encourage others to do the right thing. To do the right thing. So I want to wrap up the five points about doing the right thing. Number one, remember, ask yourself, who is your master? Is it you or is it God? Two, search the scriptures. Read, reflect, write down, and memorize the scriptures. Three, be accountable first to the Lord and to his church. Four, Remember that the test will come. Five, persevere. Don't grow weary in well-doing. And in closing, from 1 Kings 11.38, the Lord was saying this to Jeroboam, but I felt it was appropriate for us as a church. It says this, and this is the Lord speaking, If you listen to what I tell you and follow my ways, and do whatever I consider to be right. And if you obey my decrees and commands, as my servant David did, then I will always be with you. Father, we thank you for your precious promise. Lord, we have a responsibility to let go of things. We have a responsibility to seek you with our whole heart. Father, I thank you for the difficulties that you put each of us through. 
Not as a form of punishment, Lord. Father, we get to know You even more deeply. Because You are our only advocate. You're the only person that can pull us out of that pit. And Lord, I just ask that You help each of us today. That if there's an area that we have not submitted rule or lordship over, areas that we are struggling with anger, we're struggling with uh, whatever, Lord, that is not right, and we would let that go. We would submit that to You, that You would be Lord of that area of our lives. Father, we would be consecrated to be servants of the living God. Father, that we would not be individuals tossed to and fro with every wind of culture or doctrine or weirdness, Lord. Our faith, our trust is in You. And Father, I ask this through the precious name of Your Son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Dave, for speaking from your life to us. Such an honest word, such an instructive word, such a helpful word. Oh, that we would always be accountable first to God and to his church. I'd like to encourage each of you to consider the 12-hour prayer advance this Saturday and also the opportunity to actuate one of the points Dave made, the passages, Scripture memory opportunity. Father, thank you for this wonderful morning. Thank you that you have visited us in a very personal way. Help us always to do the right thing. Help us to remember that you are our master and you have given us your word as a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our way. Thank you for continuing to give us perseverance to run the race that you've called us to victoriously each day. And we pray a special blessing over Dave, over Beth, over James Howell, over others who are currently unemployed, trusting you to provide and direct to their next, next job. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all. Have a really great, great day.